a bad, fucked up mommy, Taylor. And I'm way too many men calling themselves and being called daddy, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week we watched 1979's The Brood, directed by David Cronenberg, starring Oliver Reed, Samantha Egger, and Art Hindler. And uh, hey, let's just trigger warning really quick. This is a David Cronenberg movie, so we have a whole lot of body horror. Well, actually, not a whole lot, but it's, it's... when you see it, it's real bad because it's yeah. What's Cronenberg. there is intense. Uh, fucked up family dynamics, abuse, uh, abuse. Uh, some some imagery associated with child abuse. Yeah, and I I think we, we gotta start making co- comprehensive lists. But I th- oh, really oh, it's a it's messy some, divorce. A really messy divorce. Some just absolutely ridiculous pseudoscience having to do with mental health. Yeah, a lot of weird psychotherapy stuff happening yeah, in this very, film. Yeah, it's very, very, um, very Hitchcockian yes. in, that, in that regard. It's a very 70s Hitchcock yeah. sort of deal. 70s spellbound type beat. Ooh, yeah, definitely. Spellbound but- if it was about being pregnant. <laughs> you know? Am I pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> If I have uh, sex, baby hurt top of his head. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Now I'm just imagining Nola, like, in the scene from this movie, just mm-hmm. with the caption, Can U get pregante? <laughs> pregante. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh. Sorry. We'll talk uh, normal stuff now. We have a bit... The past, like hour of that we've been on not hour the past like half hour that we've been on Mike we've not been talking about normal things anyway um memories with this movie Taylor I think I watched this about a year ago for the first time and I was immediately like texting you and the whole, the whole time and being like Jimmy you need to watch this movie I think it, was, it was two years ago because I was looking back in our conversation it was 2021 oh was it jesus yeah, time we, really does just come at you fast yeah interspersed between were conversations about marvel blurbos so it was 2021 that's disgusting ew yeah it's bad it's real bad okay so i guess two years ago i saw this movie <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i just remember texting you the whole time and being like jimmy you have to watch it you have to watch it it is bonkers and it was uh, no funny stories or anything. I just I just remember like texting you immediately because I knew that you would be into this. Yeah, that leads directly into mine because I watched this on Taylor's recommendation. I just sat down one night, was like, I'm going to watch The Brood because Taylor says it's insane. And guess what? It was insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had a great time. Yeah, it's very that kind of movie. It's very, um, very, very malignant for the 70s. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so malignant. Yeah, definitely. So what does Google have to say about what the plot oh. of this film is? Because I, I assume so it must be curious. kind of hard to describe. Hmm. Not good? Interesting. Oh, boy. It's one sentence. And it's not wrong. But it's interesting. <laughs> oh, boy. A mad doctor tries psychoplasmic therapy on a raging woman soon to be a mother. That's it. I that's mean... all that's it's not wrong is the thing but that the, the way that it describes it um uh... makes you think that she's like normal pregnant she's not <laughs> <laughs> she's so not she's not no- hey spoiler alert y'all she's not normal pregnant yeah if you think that this baby is coming out from between her legs you oh, don't no. know who david cronenberg is Oh boy, had you seen any David Cronenberg movies before this? Because I actually had. This was my. I had first seen The Fly and I had seen Scanners, but I had I never seen see this. Fly. I need to see The Fly. I need to see more of David Cronenberg because I've only seen I've seen this and I've seen Videodrome. I do. Oh yes, I did. I had seen Videodrome. How did I? Videodrome was my fucking Twitter at name for like all of high school, because I was a. I had so many friends in high school. Um, yeah, that checks real hard, Taylor. Yeah, I love unfortunately. 
I was so cool. I went to so many parties in high school. My Twitter at name was Videodrome. Um, I didn't even have Twitter in high school. I'm so glad I didn't have Twitter in high school. It would have been a (laughs) fucking shit show. Anyway. But but I remember that this was on the 100 Scariest Movie Moments. But for some reason, I didn't watch this one. Well, now you have. And now I have. And boy. Boy. Boy, boy is it a film. Boy, howdy. This is an early Cronenberg. This is like, you know, he he had not quite gotten into his full, like, 80s, like, the fly kind of sensibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, the body horror in this is kind of, again, like we said, like, limited to this this really shocking thing at the end. Which, Mm -hmm. like, again, I guess we're just gonna have spoilers, but, you know, amniotic sac coming out of the tummy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. real nasty. That she rips open with her teeth. David Cronenberg and... had this fucking woman on set just, like, licking a blood-covered fake baby. Yeah, yeah. Presumably for multiple takes. I hope that Samantha Egger had a great time on set. She seems like she had a great time on set. She seems like she's really having fun with this role. I hope that fake blood tasted good. I hope it did. It was probably, like, corn syrup. Yeah. That's usually what they use for fake blood. Yeah. So we use your fake blood in haunts. Delicious. <laughs> well, actually, well, these days they have, like, pre-made fake blood, but, you know. The other thing I find really funny about that scene is that I remember reading uh, an interview with Cronenberg where he was talking about how uh, when that scene uh, was going, like, to the edit, um, the, the studio basically demanded that they cut the scene in such a way where the only shots that were really visible was that shot that like from the side of her Mm -hmm. licking the baby. Um, But originally Cronenberg had wanted just this long head on close up of Samantha Egger, just lovingly licking the baby clean. And, (laughs) but the censors were like, it's too gross. Uh, Do the side shot. Cause you can see less in that shot. The problem with that was that uh, during a lot of test screenings, a lot of audience members assumed that she was eating the baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and Cronenberg was like, they tried to censor it, but like, it just, the implication was worse. They made it worse. <laughs> She's Honestly, not the eating side the baby. shot is gross enough, so I would have been, I, I'm curious to know what that head-on shot looks like. Yeah. I've I've never seen it. I I guess it must have just ended up on some, you know, cutting room floor somewhere and the prints yeah. just ended up destroyed, which is sad. But uh yeah. yeah, that it was supposed to be a more intense somehow somehow more intense than what we got in the final film, which is crazy. Cuz that scene is horrific. Yeah, it's it's real bad. Uh I I'm really glad that David Cronenberg did this instead of going to therapy after his divorce. <laughs> He did describe this as his version of Kramer versus Kramer, which is so funny to me. Have you ever it's seen giving, that movie? It's giving big like Ari Aster making Midsummer after a bad breakup energy. Oh, for sure. Well, I guess Ari Aster is giving big Cronenberg energy, but you know. Channeling, channeling his forefather. Channeling. <laughs> um, I love, I love this movie and a lot of people don't love this movie. Um, a lot of people say this movie is misogynistic, and I guess I can understand that viewpoint to a degree, but I think that it's more interesting and more nuanced than that in a way that I think a lot of people aren't uh, interested in or prepared for. It's also, like, here, like, some movies, right, like, and this, I thought about this with the mental health stuff in this movie, too, it's like, sometimes they just veer so far into like absolute ridiculousness that I can't like be offended because this isn't even like actual mental health anything anymore mm-hmm. it's just like complete insanity and I, I think that's kind of also what's happening but I would be interested to hear uh, your views on the supposed misogyny of this movie I think that to call this movie misogynistic and again if that's your viewpoint on this film like you're entitled to your opinion. Like, I'm not, you know, saying you're stupid, but I do think that... Listen, we are just two idiot podcasters who just had a long discussion about Robot Dick. Yeah, so, don't don't listen to know, me. We, we are not experts. Despite the fact that I have a degree in film, I use it to watch Marvel movies. So, like, 
Don't listen to me. I'm a podcaster. But <laughs> Truly. <laughs> if there's anything that disqualifies me from anything serious, it's it's having a podcast. Uh, yeah. But it's an inherently silly way to spend your time. But I, I think that something that really struck me about this movie on the second go around that uh, didn't really perk, like it, it had been kind of quietly percolating in my brain uh, ever since the first time I watched it. But the second viewing really brings it into a sharper focus in that this is so very much a movie about the ways in which therapy can enable an abuser. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is an interesting idea because it's something that not a lot of people talk about. Like the the kind of default sort of, you know, oh, if someone is going to therapy, then that means that they're working on themselves and that they're going to get better. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, people, you know, will derisively say to somebody, you need to go to therapy. Um, but there there is a certain type of person and particularly abusive parents often fall into this where therapy does not allow them to understand their own role in the the horrors that they've dealt out to the people in their lives it gives them more sophisticated language to justify their own abuse which is super super the case with uh with Nola in this film and uh, being in this sort of very intensive therapeutic situation, it doesn't help her reckon with the fact that she's beating up on her five-year-old daughter. It just forces her. It doesn't force her. Maybe that's the wrong word, but it, it gives her an out for her own shitty behavior and it allows her to justify it. it. Yeah. It allows her to excuse what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm stupid. Uh, I did not actually realize that she was actually hitting the kid. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, she super was. I, or at least that was my reading of it. I guess maybe you can interpret it however you want to, because it's never made explicitly clear. See, but... I thought it was the fucking... I thought those, like, cuts and bruises she had came from the horrible little monster kids. <laughs> I think even if they, in the context of the film, are from the Monster Kids, which they very well might be, I think that the Monster Kids are, in many ways, just like a metaphor for garden variety abuse. So Mm -hmm. even if she's not literally beating up on her five-year-old, she is, like, metaphorically beating up on her five-year-old. That makes sense. I'm just an idiot. (laughs) No, you're not an idiot. I mean, it's, listen, it's, it's a movie about freaky little children who kill people at the behest of their disgusting like weird um like mother coming come out of her weird amniotic sac in her stomach you know (laughs) um it's a weird movie it is boy taylor sure is but yeah i just i think that it's reductive to call this a movie about hysterical women uh, and I think that a lot of the people who say that stuff are just not interested in recognizing that women and particularly mothers can be abusers. Yeah. Uh, which is shitty in its own right. And I would argue just as misogynistic as, you know, a movie about, even if this was a sort of movie about a hysterical woman, I think the the refusal of a lot of people to acknowledge that mothers can be abusers is m- incredibly misogynistic in its own way. It's definitely just as reductive. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about those fucked up little freaks? God, I would love to, because they are, I mean, listen, in a movie about the horrors of parental abuse and the, the you know, the evils of um, a, a crumbling marriage, we also have some fucked up little freaks. I really enjoy the sort of design of them, because, like, a child in a snowsuit, right, is such a, it's like such an innocent thing. But also, I think a child in a snowsuit looks inhuman to a degree where you're like, it, it's very easy to look at them and see like something inhuman. Like I said, I'm repeating myself, but I think it's very, it's cool camouflage that they use because it's spooky. I think also in the classroom scene, uh, it becomes really, like, it sort of comes to the forefront, this idea that, like, 
you know, a kid in a snowsuit can be any kid in a snowsuit. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. I just, like, my brain's broken today. They blend right in with the other kids in the class such that even the teacher doesn't notice that there are two weird little freak children who are not in her class in the room. Until they're fucking jumping on her and ripping her to shreds or beating yeah. the shit out of her. Beating her with hammers. Which, like, Me and listen. my friends would have beat E.T. with hammers, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> listen, I struggle to believe that only one of those kids decided to haul ass out of that fucking classroom. That was so funny, the one child who left. It's like, you, you're telling me, like, I know, like, some of these kids would definitely just be in shock and, like, staring, but you're telling me only one kid saw his teacher getting her ass beat with hammers and was like, I gotta go. <laughs> that kid fucking like, booked it. Like, come on, at least give me, like, two or three kids booking it. Just one? <laughs> also, like, thank God that woman decided to come up and talk to Frank outside, because... yeah. Well, no, because it was the it was the kid that talked to him, right? No, because uh, well, I'm saying that like the reason that he was still out there at all. Oh, was oh, right, that's right. One of the other kids' moms was like, "Oh my god, Frank! It's I haven't talked to you in forever. How are oh you?" My, like, oh my god! Thank God, because otherwise yeah. he would have just gone home. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Brutal kills in this movie. Brutal kills of, in this lot movie. A lot of blunt, for, lot, lot of like blunt force trauma. Kind of, yeah, what kind a of horrible way to die. Oh, drawn out for sure. Yeah, and also just like, I think that there's also something to the idea that like, because they're children, they don't have the strength for a quick, painless kill. Yeah, no. All they have is just to slowly beat you to death with hammers. Because they're children. Glass, or a glass paperweight. <laughs> or a glass paperweight. Um, God, the, the grandmother's death is also just like so shocking. In that it's, oh. like, the first real death, on-screen mm -hmm. death in the film. Yeah. It's very upsetting, especially because you've just learned through Nola's therapy session with Dr. Raglan that her mother was also an abusive monster. Her and it, in then, this movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. The fucking milk jug is spilling all over the carpet is the nastiest thing I've ever seen. It's so gross. You know that smells terrible. Yeah. Ugh. Do it stink? Do it do. It fuck. Listen, Jamie's going to kill me for saying this on air. Um, but when he was little, he would not drink like water at night. He would drink milk. And uh, there was always like a sippy cup of milk on the table next to him and Ew. it would get knocked over in the night and my carpet fucking stank for years do it stink it fucking do it fucking do taylor sorry jamie i love you so much do i know it he, stink. he doesn't do that now <laughs> no as an adult he has an adult <laughs> <laughs> as an adult, he is not keeping milk by his bedside. Oh, poor Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. Um, anyway. Do it stink. It do. And anyway, it do. Let's, let's, yeah, let's talk about those therapy sessions. Hey, so much daddy and mommy stuff in this so movie. So much daddy and mommy talk. <laughs> so much. If you've ever wanted to watch... By the way, Oliver Reed is in this film. Oliver Reed, Oliver Reed is not just in this film. He is... <laughs> In this film, this man <laughs> showed up on set to act. It's insane that this was like a point in Oliver Reed's career where he was mostly doing just like shit, just fucking garbage. He was doing shit like Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hype, which is a movie that no one should watch, but that I have watched. Because <laughs> um, I don't know. I actually honestly couldn't even tell you why I watched that movie. I just did. He's um, like acting in this movie so i yeah i imagine that he got this script and he was like thank fucking god oh finally a, a role I can, I can just sink my teeth into and boy does he just act the shit out of this role oh dr raglan is an insane character and i want to study him i think that um i think that dr raglan and Dr. Loomis both went to like the same, <laughs> the same 
same it's like insane school of psychiatry that just keeps taking these weirdos and oh like releasing them onto the psychology community oh my god new ship just dropped oh oh you know oh you, you know, know. Someone you know write their fic! They're out there exploring each other's bodies they as we are. speak. Oh my god, they so are. Well, I guess not anymore, because he did die. That's true. He wa- he did, though. He was. But, like, so, Halloween did Dr. came Loomis out- also- He also died, right, Dr. Loomis? Well, yeah, Halloween came out the same year as this film. That's true. Wow. They could have gone to medical school at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my oh, god! I believe this. I believe this. This is my, this is canon now. This is canon now. But yeah, how'd this man graduate medical school? Hey, <laughs> hey! He got his he got his diploma off the same cereal box that Doctor Loomis did. He sure did. Yeah, his his Doctor Raglan's form of therapy appears to mostly involve him like putting his clients into a trance and then assuming the roles of like various people in their lives in order to help them like talk through their traumas. It's very kinky, um, honestly. Which is okay. <laughs> okay. Cause the first scene in this film is like, uh, it's like daddy Dom force femme. Like the wh- force. I literally wrote in my notes. <laughs> Forced feminization within the first five minutes of this fucking movie. It's literally like forced feminization, daddy dom shit in the first scene. The and first I was like, five minutes of this flick. I was like, hey, yo, David Cronenberg. Zero to a hundred in 0.5 seconds. Oh like, my I'm God. fully talking like, I'm gonna put you in a dress. You're my little girl. Like, I'm gonna all call this you shit. Michelle. Like, insane insane behavior this is therapy like that's yeah. how I'm, I'm sure this is a type of therapy that some people would really want to get involved with yeah i'm um, sure <laughs> i mean the guy who he's doing it to seems to just be like totally fucked by it like to the point where he is begging uh frank this random dude who he just met he's like be my daddy yes oh my god <laughs> later on in the film it's bonkers i love that frank is just so like just a guy getting forced into this like (laughs) insane situation it's amazing how just some guy he is and he is surrounded by some of the characters of all time (laughs) he's just surrounded by an entire cast of freaks it's like him and the teacher are the only two normal people in all of canada I'm glad this is supposed to take place in Canada because if it wasn't, the amount of really heavy Canadian accents in this would have been so funny. And the random British people. And the random British people. Yeah, it's like Oliver Reed and Samantha Egger are just the two Brits in Canada. The only two. That's why they like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Man, speaking of Samantha Egger... I mean, Oliver Reed puts his whole pussy into this movie, but so does she. My fucking God. She is having a great time. The scene at the end. The scene. You all know the scene. She's acting her ass off. Her, like, crazy eyes are so good. She's also, brief horny minute, she's She's, so hot. Oh, she's so fucking hot. She's so hot. If ever there was a MILF. MILF! And listen, ladies and gents... I'm, I'm gonna say it. Just because I've realized I'm a lesbian doesn't mean that I'm giving up DILFs. Oliver Reed, class A DILF in this film. Call Taylor, Oliver. <laughs> Call me. I'm available. I know you're dead, <laughs> but I'm available. <laughs> Call her on the Ouija board. It's fine. <laughs> sext on the Ouija board. It's Using great. Using my Ouija board to sext Oliver Reed. <laughs> in the afterlife. What Honestly, else, is it, though, what else is it for? Well, it's also for sexting Vincent Price. That's true. That's very true. You know. Yeah. No, um, you're right. What were we talking about? Sexting Vincent Price with the Ouija sexting board. Vincent Price with a Ouija board. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, can wait? No, that's the other fucking video. The like, how do I get rid of my Luigi board? Oh my god! We've referenced <laughs> we both did it. of them. We did it. We did we, it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Podcast over. Sorry, guys. We're done. <laughs> we did what? What did we do? <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> but, 
But um, yeah, Samantha Egger is so hot. And I did, I know that her name doesn't have an S on the end of it, but I did need to Google and see if she was related to Robert, and she isn't. No, so. she spells it with an A, too. Yeah. A bitch can dream. Truly. Can you imagine if that was his mother? That would be so slay. Oh my god. Can you imagine if your mom was Nola from The Brood and then you <laughs> grew up to direct The Witch? <laughs> What a Crazy. fucking insane family tree. Insane family tree. Sadly, they are not related. Um, Hypothetically. Uh, this movie reminds me atmospherically in some ways of Suspiria 2018, which is oh, an, insane thing to, an insane thing to say, but they're both very like, like cold November movies, you know? Oh, this is such a November movie. It's such a November movie. It's such a like, I want to be inside cozied up on the couch watching the brood or yeah. Superior 2018 you know like normal people do yeah it's like so like first do. snow of the year kind of vibes oh so much it's yeah. I, it makes me want to be like inside with a candle in front of a fireplace i don't want to be in the fucking soma free institute though because that place looks like the worst it's just a shed it's just a giant shed <laughs> she shed conducting my psychotherapy out of a fucking shed <laughs> But it's like a shed mansion. Yeah. It's like, what if a shed was a mansion? It's like circular too. Oh, it's so, it's just like perfectly calculated to just be the most disconcerting building you've ever laid your eyes on. And it's just like, no decorations. Nola has like a bed. Yeah. (laughs) And a like wooden, blank wooden walls. And then like periodically once a day, Oliver Reed comes in and is like, today I'm your mom. Let's talk through your childhood abuse. Oh my God. The like, the amount of 70s paneling in this movie. Oh my God. There's so much 70s wood paneling. I will say too, Frank is serving his outfits. It's like all of his outfits are serving hardcore, like butch realness. Oh, they abs the big coat. Hello. Yeah. He's the so serving coat. lesbian. The big 70s coat. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. He's just some fucking guy. He's just some fucking guy. I actually, the wardrobe in this movie is like understated, but very good. Yeah, it's, it's very not like, quite, like, insane 70s outfits. It's just kind of 70s outfits. But, like, normal people fashion in the 70s was so insane anyway. Yeah, it's very cozy. Everyone, very everyone cozy. looks very cozy in this movie, except for the, you know, <laughs> except for Nola. I was going to say, the the fucking white drapery, the I guess, like, like, maternity dress. Uh, In a sense, I guess. <laughs> maternity dress built for a very specific kind of pregnancy. Do you think you had to, like, get that specifically tailored? Custom made? Custom, custom made. made. Do you think you got that custom tailored? I love the... I love tracksuit guy. I forgot his name. I oh, love tracksuit um, guy. The guy with the, the scarf and the thing Yeah, the with him. the weird yeah. throat thing. I yeah. love him. He's such he's, a freak. He's so crazy. And, like, I think that every movie should feature a guy in a tracksuit just saying insane people stuff. I agree. Every single one. I also think it's really funny that like his entire purpose in this movie seems to be that he just is in the background trying to file a lawsuit against Dr. Raglan and the entire field of psychoplasmics. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. For a second, I was like, wait a minute. Why is this guy like here? And then I remembered him and I was like, oh yeah, this weirdo. Yeah. the, The fucking ranting... The ranting weirdo who's trying to file a lawsuit against Oliver Reed. Man, I, he's going to be really disappointed when Oliver Reed is dead and he didn't get any money out of it. <laughs> he didn't get any money. Psychoplasmics causes cancer. My man's got like mushrooms on his throat. It's fucking. Oh my God. It's so Hannibal. It's oh, it's so Hannibal. Shut up. It's so that one episode of Hannibal. Anyone else, like, get really disturbed by that one episode of Hannibal? Just sidebar. But, like, that to me is maybe the worst episode. I haven't seen Hannibal in long enough to, like, have any recollection of how I felt about certain episodes. Except for knowing that uh, Margot and Alana fucking was great. Which it was. It was. It was very The the lady who keeps people in diabetic comas and buries them in her garden to make mushrooms grow out of their bodies. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. That's what his weird throat thing reminded me of. 
Yeah, damn. I think that guy should have his own movie. I think he should get a spinoff. Nasty. Yeah, very nasty. Yeah, Check- where was the... Yeah, hey, hey, David. Hey, David, where was the Brood Cinematic Universe? <laughs> <laughs> you don't... We shouldn't even say that, because someone's going to try yeah, to make, like, no. a Ryan Murphy Ratched-style prequel. I want to get paid. Hey, if you're doing that, pay me. Send me it. Send me cash. Drop your Venmo. Send me cash in the mail. <laughs> Just a wad of cash in the Just mail. Just a wad of cash in the mail. Not for any particular reason. Just, just, yeah, just do it. I think you guys should just send Jimmy cash. You guys should. I like the score of this movie. Me too. It's very, like, understated. It's very Bernard Herrmann, I think. It's very strings heavy. It reminds me a lot. It actually reminded me a lot of, like, an Alfred Hitchcock score. Yeah, Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, Bernard Herrmann. Thank you. I, I took a class about fucking scores. I should recognize that name. Unfortunately, the year 2020 turned my, like, film brain to, like, mush. Didn't so, it do that to all of us, though? Yeah. That's why I'm saying it, so we can all sort of commiserate yeah. here for a minute. Just, But yeah, it was definitely very Bernard Herrmann, very, like, that's why I compared it to Spellbound, because it... Yeah. So it makes me think of Spellbound. And I compare every, like, psychosexual movie to Spellbound, but it's because Spellbound is the psychosexual movie. It truly is. And I also think that it does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of the mood of the film. So much mm-hmm. of that is contained within the score. Oh, I agree. Again, it's those it's those November vibes. Mm, definitely. It's very sort of like like bleak and desolate. Yeah. Oh god. It's so desolate. This is so a movie about just like I think it's also just this that this movie has no faith in any system to be able to help people particularly like this is a very therapy skeptical film which I mean I I talked about that a little bit at the beginning but like I do find it really really interesting this idea of like like I'm just coming back to it because I'm just obsessed with this like no actually sometimes therapy just makes people worse I'm super interested in that as a viewpoint yeah I think it's definitely a viewpoint we should consider these days especially considering how much of a foothold that like the idea of mental health and working on yourself and self-care has in our cultural sort of zeitgeist it should probably be taken into consideration that sometimes therapy does not make people better and we should maybe as people who are trying to do all of those things be aware that sometimes Either therapy will make you worse, or your therapist is a piece of shit. As also, Dr. Raglan is. He sucks. Also, somet- also sometimes, uh, sometimes you give birth to uh, babies out of a sack in your stomach. Yeah, that's also a thing that therapy can do. That Yeah, it can. A lot of, a lot of people don't know this. Yeah. <laughs> but, I actually like- had experience, though. <laughs> <laughs> um... It's just really cool, this idea that, like, you know, a, there there's this sense that at no point during her therapy is Nola ever, like, asked to consider the idea that she may have at some point done literally anything wrong. Yeah, she's never challenged. No, it's always... Let's talk through, you know, obviously talking through and understanding the bad things that have happened to you in your life and in your childhood is important to the healing process, but that cannot be the only thing that you do. And for Dr. Raglan, his entire form of therapy is about externalizing your trauma so that you can get rid of it. There is no room in that mode of therapy for self-improvement. There's just this idea that once you purge your trauma from you, you'll automatically become a better person, which for Nola is so not true. Nope, not at all. And in a way, this mode of therapy just encourages her to, through these children, through the titular brood, to just become worse and to just lash out at the people that she because of this, like, centering of her experiences as the only thing that she needs to come to terms with in her therapy, 
it just encourages her to lash out against those people. It's not like my trauma made me who I am. It's my trauma made me who I am. And now I just need to just kill everybody who pisses me off. And at first it's like, oh, Slay, you're killing your abusive mom. Like, that's fine. Yeah, she can do that. I think she can do that. But then it's like, well, I don't want my daughter to ever be taken from me, so I'm going to kill her. And it's like, well... Also, I'm going to kill this teacher that my my ex-husband maybe had feelings for, potentially. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really know how to end that other than to just say it's it's a very nuanced perspective that I think that a lot of people just aren't interested in thinking about because I think, uh, especially in uh, current American society, uh, I mean, just speaking to my own perspective, I think that there is a tendency to see therapy as a cure all in a way that mm-hmm. it might not necessarily be, particularly for people who are um, abusers. <laughs> As Nola very much is an abuser. Yep. And women can abuse people too, guys. Like, it's not misogynistic. Again, beating up on your five-year-old unslay behavior. Controversial. (laughs) Very unslay of you. (laughs) Very unyas and unslay of you to be be physically abusing your five-year-old daughter. Um, Yeah, hey. And I think it also enables her in a way to, like, well we're on the subject of the teacher like this teacher never did anything to her no but she views the teacher as contributing to her like uh anger and her misery and she's like well i guess you have to die then go forth my kiddos exactly because the the way that she engages in therapy with dr raglan it's just like oh someone did something bad to you then they are evil. And it's like, again, it's one thing when that person is your abusive mother. It's another thing when it's just, this person pissed me off. This person made me mad. This person is doing something that I don't like. Mm -hmm. That, That mode of shifting the blame outward only causes Nola to see everybody in her life who elicits negative emotions in her as being equal in maliciousness and evil to her abusers and the pe- mm-hmm. and her neglectful father who watched the abuse happen and did nothing. Yep. It's just sad. It's just like it's because this is a character who could get better. Yeah, but just doesn't because she's never given the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. She's only encouraged to feed into her worst impulses and her worst uh, feelings of rage. And it's just her doctor sad... is a freak. Yeah, because her doctor's a freak who got his medical degree off the back of a cereal box. And it's a very prestigious cereal box, Taylor. Come on. Yeah, now. so many fictional doctors have gotten their degrees off of the back of this cereal box. Mm hmm. And I'd say I love it for them, but I don't. It's not. It's not great. It's it, it's great for them, not great for the <laughs> rest of the people they're surrounded by. Yeah, not great for the patients in their care. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that in many ways, Nola is like the the kind of villain that is not easily put into the kinds of boxes that people expect villains to be put into. Oh, we all know what happens when that goes on with a woman yeah god forbid women be complicated Mm. i feel like uh pairing this with uh hereditary was actually a really interesting not to pat ourselves on the back but i think it was an interesting move on our part because i think annie is similar in a lot of ways to nola oh absolutely absolutely again this is a character who could get better but won't because of her her own various shit and the shit happening around her. Yeah, she doesn't because Nola and Annie, neither of them have the support systems mm-hmm. necessary for somebody because if you have these kinds of lashing out kinds of impulses, that doesn't yeah. make you an evil person. If you no. are determined to not let that make you into a hateful, angry person who lashes out at others, you can you can live a healthy, happy life. Uh, but unfortunately for Nola and Annie, 
They're in horror movies. They're in horror movies. And also the people around them who are supposed to help them are just either actively dragging them down and encouraging them to indulge their worst impulses or are apathetic and turning their eyes away. It's sad. And I, I just find Nola a really interesting character. Yeah. And Annie, too, obviously, but we're talking about the brood this week. (laughs) If you want to hear about how we think Annie's an interesting character, you can just listen to our last episode. Yeah. I love, I love messy, complicated women who suck. I, again, I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand times. We've both said it on this podcast. I just want more women who are not necessarily evil, but who just suck. More women who suck in this cultural zeitgeist. Exactly. More women who suck representation. Nola just sucks. As a woman who sucks. No, <laughs> As a woman who sucks, I feel represented. No, I've never. <laughs> I've, I've never sent. I've never birthed evil children out of me and sent them forth to go kill people. Oh, you haven't? Have you? Well, how do you think Mandy exists? Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. I didn't rescue her. I birthed her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fully formed. She sprung from my uh, my my womb. <laughs> Your outside womb. My outside womb. Exactly. By the way, that scene of the doctor just like giving the autopsy on that fucked up little kid. Oh, first off, love the purple filter. Love, love it. Love that purple filter. Just I, like a <sighs> fucked up little freak. When the doctor's like, do you also notice anything else? And Frank is just like, it has no navel. <laughs> That's how you know it's fucked up. Because there was no way that thing could have been birthed like a normal baby is birthed. It had to come from somewhere that was not a womb. Listen, you you could tell that even from like, just looking at it. You didn't need the navel thing. You just look at that thing. So you think that was birthed? Weird. So we well, it was it was birthed in its own special way. That's unfortunately that's true. Ripping the sack open with her teeth, I can't get Ugh. over how nasty that image is. When she like leans down, I honestly thought she was gonna kiss it first, and that would have been like nasty enough on its own. And then she opens her mouth, and I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> Honestly, aw fuck is the perfect reaction to that. Just like, it's so just like, oh, come on. Come on, David. David. David Cronenberg. If there's one thing about that man, he's going to put, he's going to put genitals in places where genitals were just not meant to be. Yeah. Put wombs, put wombs on the outside of you. Going to put in Videodrome a fucking vagina in your stomach. And I guess in Videodrome's case, also, you can, like, fuck your stomach vagina with a gun. That movie's weird. Yeah. Somehow weirder than this film. I, David Cronenberg, is such a special director. (laughs) I kind of want to watch Jason X only because he has an extended cameo in that movie as, like, a random evil scientist. See, I've heard Jason X is, like, the worst one. So have I. So, yeah, I really want to watch that one. Because I've heard that his, like, performance in that is bonkers. I mean, that is probably good enough reason to watch anything. Just for a real bonkers performance. Just for a weird guy being a weird guy on the screen. And boy, is this movie good for it. If you like weird... If you like movies about weird guys being weird, this is for you. Weird girls being weird, even. Weird people. Weird people being fucking freaks and it's great you you know that david cronenberg is a feminist because he likes he lets women and men be fucked up little freaks in his movies that's feminism case in point also fucking debbie harry in videodrome whatever the hell she was doing in that movie (laughs) whatever she has going on whatever that woman has going on in that movie david cronenberg like fucked up little freak parentheses gender neutral you know what i mean he's so slight for that anyone can be a fucked up little freak man woman anything He's so real for that. Get into the fluidity. I of feel gender. represented. I also feel represented. I I felt. Can I just say something that's yeah. unrelated to the conversation we were having earlier? But I did just want to like make it known. Okay. I think this this movie is wonderful. I think this is a great film. I think that the teacher's hair and her eyebrows are crimes against humanity. 
the like the like trying to be Liza Minnelli haircut like girl what are you doing I know it was the 70s but what is happening girl and the eyebrows that are just a little crooked I didn't notice her eyebrows I'm gonna be real her eyebrows were so thin and just a little crooked Ugh. Like thin she plucked eyebrows. them, we have but to leave bad. thin eyebrows in the past where they belong. I've literally seen people being like, "Thin eyebrows are back." They fucking are no, not. No, they're not. No, they're not. Just slamming. They are not. Just slamming my hand on the table. Not on my watch. Not on I my feel, watch. It's how I feel when people say high waisted things are out. I'm like, no, they're not, because I'm still wearing them. Because I'm Fuck still you. fucking wearing them. I'm too old to care about fashion anymore. I'm too old. I'll be uncool. I don't care. I think mullets are slay, but like whatever she had going on was like the worst, most unslay mullet I've ever seen. It was like slicked down. Listen, we all know we we all know we're all we all know what we're waiting for on the mullet front, but (laughs) (laughs) this is like slicked down and like weird and yeah it's a crime against humanity i yeah i couldn't think of a good way to like lead into that but i did just want to say like she's a fine character she just the hair and makeup should have been better they shouldn't have done that to her hair would you like to read some letterboxd reviews oh i'd love to so i do a segment on this podcast called live laugh letterboxd where i read funny letterboxd reviews and uh, I found some really good ones. So, oh, thank God. Th- yeah, this feels like the kind of movie that would elicit some real good ones. We've had, we've had a, a, a string of stinkers in terms of Letterboxd reviews for the last few episodes. Not a lot of good ones. But this one had good. Uh, this one had good pickings. I was uh, shocked that Hereditary didn't have I better know. pickings. Fran anyway. says, The titular brood is all fun and games till they come for the teacher. And then I got scared. Movie doesn't have enough of the guy in a tracksuit whose main focus is concocting a good lawsuit. Rare type of guy we need more of in horror flicks. So true. So true. Yeah. And you understand. We need that specific type of guy. New kind of guy just dropped. Dawson says, I never want to hear the words mommy or daddy again in my fucking lifetime. <laughs> yeah, this will be the movie that'll wreck it for you, man. Anyone with a mommy kink or a daddy kink, uh, if you ever want to cure yourself of that, you should watch this. Watch this movie. This'll this'll make the words mommy and daddy just deeply unsexy for ya. Eddie says, Canada seems so fucked up. I feel bad for my friends that live there. Three and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Canada once when I was a kid. Was it like that? I didn't see any people with external wombs, but I maybe I'm not. I could be misremembering. Maybe you didn't go to really the right young. part of Canada. Yeah, we just went to Niagara Falls, so I guess they all just avoid Niagara Falls. <laughs> uh, Liam says simply, "She's mother." Three and a half stars. Did you put this one in for me? Of course I did. I hate you. She's I mother. You. No. <laughs> I don't want to hear that phrasing. <laughs> Kyle says, these bitches is my sons. <laughs> Three and a half stars. So true. These bitches so is true. my sons. Okay, well. So for, well, fucking true. Kyle, I'm going to have to quibble with that because technically they are sexless. Well, All these bitches sexless. is hey, my children. Hey, you don't know their gender identity. That's true. I don't. I don't think they're quite old enough yet to have a concept of gender. They're like a few days old. They only know kill, bite, murder, violence. Well, that's a gender if you try hard enough. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> my pronouns are the brood. <laughs> my, 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 my pronouns are kill me. My pronouns are we. We, we, us, the brood. <laughs> All of Hell us. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's valid. And that is valid. If you're, if your gender is, is kill by main violence, the brood, you're fucking valid to me. Yeah. Amanda says, Frank's ass didn't need to be that fat. Four and a half stars. It was always hidden under that coat, though, so how did you notice? Listen, if you're looking. Oh, this is this is an attractive to men thing, isn't it? If, you, if you're interested in looking, then I guess <laughs> you can find whatever you want to find. That's true. I'm not an ass man, so I I don't find myself, unless it's like, there. Unless it's real fat. Unless it's unignorable. Shivroy succession. Sarah Snook, if you're free on Thursday, please, please hit me up. I'm free. I think she might be married. I don't know. 
Can um, her husband fight? Hmm? Can her husband fight? That's, I can't fight, so whether or not he can fight, I'll probably still be losing to him. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But we digress. But we digress. Uh, I'd give this movie, uh, I'd say four and a half stars. It's not an all-timer, but it's basically perfect to me. I love it. I love this movie. Yep, i say four stars. Not a, not a, not a Jemmy classic, but definitely a movie that I enjoy. Delicious. Vibe is impeccable. And thank you for joining us for Bad Moms Mother's Day. Uh, yes, May. this will be our, our final movie until next year, which we, we, we can next find year? more Bad Moms movies, maybe. Yeah. There's plenty of them out there. There's plenty. So many horror directors so, have mommy issues. Yeah, like bitches with mommy issues love to make movies. So. Exactly. So. There will next be Next time. Next time we're, we're going to a director who doesn't have mommy issues, as far as I know, uh, but who is very near and dear to my heart. Mm. So next week, we will be watching Jordan Peele's Nope, which is very exciting. This is our second Jordan Peele venture. Yes. Uh, surprisingly, we haven't done Get Out yet. We gotta fix that at some point. I The problem is that I just can't <laughs> think of a movie to pair it with. We'll figure what that other, out someday. What other racism horror movies are out there? <laughs> Listeners, if you have suggestions for racism horror movies, please drop them in our mentions. Please drop them in the mentions. We need something to pair with Get Out because I want to talk about it. I do too. It's a very, it's, there's a lot to talk about with that one, but there's yeah. also a lot to talk about with Nope. I uh, haven't actually seen Nope, so I'm very interested uh, in this film. Uh, I just, yes. I just never got around to it. I'm not really much of a theater goer anymore. I mostly watch things on my butt on my couch. So I go to theaters too much. <laughs> too much for my wallet. But so I didn't see it when it was out, and I'm very excited to shove it into my eyeballs now. And until then, you can follow us at FGFPod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, and if you enjoy what we did here today, you can give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just do it, whatever it is, on your podcast platform of choice to let you, us know that you enjoyed our show today. And we will see you in two weeks for Nope. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>